and uh, I love you guys. Oh, 1 Peter chapter 5, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's look at verse number 1, and, uh, and we're going to read through verse number 4. The elders which are among you, I exhort. Now let's stop and understand that if you go all the way back to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you will, you're going to notice that in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So you're going to find that the believers, because of uh, different things that were going on, they were scattered. And in being scattered, then Peter writes two epistles, he writes two letters, and these two letters are written to the elders, to those who would be responsible for this group of people, this body of believers. So while they were scattered, the intention was for this body of believers to establish a church. For them to be scattered, it was always God's plan from this, uh, in this church aid age for there to be multiple places for God's family to go to. This was the case. But Peter was writing them because he understood that this fold, this group of believers, that they, they, they have to be held together by an earthly voice. Now, don't mistake what I'm about to tell you. As a believer, you have Christ as your high priest. You have direct access to the throne of God. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, which gave every one of us direct access. No longer, Hebrews tells us this, no longer did we rely upon one man to enter in to do the work for mankind, if you will, through, the, through man to God. No. When Jesus died on the cross, the high priest, that last time, our sacrificial lamb, when he died on the cross, that veil was rent top to bottom. God reached up and rent it. The, the final lamb was sacrificed. Now, we do have access. But throughout God's plan, he always knew that there needed to be that earthly voice that everybody relied on and everybody looked to, and these were the elders. So look there, the elders. I'm back in 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. I find this so intriguing. And I'm going somewhere with my title tonight, but I find this so intriguing. Peter was not testifying or writing from a position of being a student at the feet of another man. Paul was at the feet of Gamaliel. This is not the case with Peter. Peter, look what he says here. He also was an elder, but he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. This is incredible. So Peter is getting ready to tell these people that are scattered... He says, that elder or that chief person among you, let me tell you something. I am exhorting you as an elder myself, but there's a difference. I, as an elder, I witness the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I sat there while they stripped him naked. I sat there while they mocked his name. I sat there while people, people around him and the two thieves on either side, one was mocking, the other believing. He said, I sat there and I witnessed, I witnessed the sufferings of Christ. 
And Peter is getting ready to talk to us about, in verse number two, feed the flock of God, which is among you. You see, Peter was telling them how to interact with the sheep because he was a sheep that was shepherded by the great shepherd. Look what it says there. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, did you see that? Shall appear. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Here you have these people scattered. I cannot think of a more appropriate text for this time. And again, I have to be honest with you, I did not know. I did not know that five and and six weeks ago when God laid this on my heart that we would even be here, that this would even be what we're facing. But if there's ever a book that gives us such valuable tools to use, it is this book. They're scattered. All of a sudden, Peter says, i got to write a letter very quickly and send it to the elder among you. He said, you're an elder. I'm an elder. The difference is I witnessed the sufferings of Christ. Now, I'm telling you how Jesus shepherded us is how you are to shepherd the people that are there with you as you're scattered. He said, you feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Because one day, the chief shepherd is coming back. Now let's travel, if you will, to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 23. Proverbs 27, 23. It says this, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. And look well to thy herds. All of us would agree that there's two kinds of pastors, two kinds of leaders. The one kind of leader is somebody that can tell you how many sheep there are, how many attend his church. But there are very few pastors that know the state of the flock. That is the difference. And I've never wanted to be the kind of pastor to where I was interested in the numbers. No, I want to know the state of the flock. As I sat there and watched them videos, I'm telling you right now, my heart just cannot take it when I sit and I watch these videos and I've watched those services a thousand times just to see the people. I've watched the choir sing. I've watched the group sing. I've worn out YouTube with just going back and watching. And I'll tell you why. Because where I can interact and I can shake hands and I walk through the auditorium and I see where you sit and I know your burdens and I pray for you and I go by the places you work at and where you live. It's not good enough to me. Just to know that we have this many members. It's very important to me that we know the state of the flock. Please listen to this. There is no greater lesson than this. That when we are scattered. Listen, I'm coming to the elders tonight and I'm telling you. you got to step up. These are the days that strengthen a home. You know, we're finding out is that our church is scattered to some degree, but they're not 
without a shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? We're scattered, but we're not without a shepherd. Everybody that attends a church, they have not only the shepherd that stands here, but they also have the shepherd that's in their heart. Now in their home, there's somebody in that home that you're the shepherd. And mom and dad, you're the shepherd. You're the shepherd. And sometimes we can fear, oh, what's this break from church going to do? What, what is this break and all of a sudden that we can't be together and the church is going to go down? No, it's not. I'm going to tell you why. Because we still have two shepherds on the front line, and those two shepherds are not only the great shepherd that lives in us, but can I tell you, there's a mom and a dad, or maybe a single mother or a single dad, that right now you are in your home, and you have become, and you are that shepherd. And tonight, I just want to go all the way back to Ezekiel, and I want to preach on this subject, shepherding your family. Shepherding your family. Your family is being shepherded right now, and I, like I said this morning, wouldn't it be wonderful if COVID-19 did nothing more than to take us all the way back to where we push the reset button and understand that mom and dad, I am not in competition with you. I am not trying to take the place in your home. I just want to be that voice that comes alongside the voice that's in the home with the voice that's on the inside. And do you know what sheep need? They need a solidarity. They need a unification of all the shepherds in their life. I mean, mom and dad, you got to line up with the great shepherds. I have to line up with the great shepherd. Everybody that is a shepherd, Sunday school teachers, bus captains, your shepherds, we got to line up. Here's why. The devil's after the sheep. And he knows this, that if we can get them scattered, oh, this is the opportunity that we get in and we get the sheep. May it not happen in this season of where we have social distancing. So First Peter tells us that you're scattered. Listen, your shepherds feed the flock of God. I'm doing my best as pastor to try to feed, and I don't take this time lightly, and I don't look at this as just, well, you know, I'm going to punch in and punch out. No, this is very important to me that the word of God is thundered forth and that we know that God's in control. Now we go to Ezekiel, and this is where I want to go to tonight. Ezekiel chapter 34, would you go there? In Ezekiel chapter 34, in verse number 1 through verse number 8, you're going to find out that God condemns the shepherds. This is interesting to me because look what he says. Ezekiel 34 verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Look at this, look at this, look what he says. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel. When I was going through Bible college and we were in homiletics, I had Julian Pope as one of my teachers in homiletics and eschatology, the study of the end times. And I remember one day Dr. Julian Pope said this, they, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, condemnation toward every pastor and every preacher is found right here in Ezekiel chapter 34. And I can remember that old man standing up and reading this verse, and when he, when, he, when he arrived to this phrase, woe be to the shepherds of Israel. He looked at us and he said, listen to me, you don't want that to be said about you. 
And you better study the text to be a good shepherd. And you know, as you read here in Ezekiel 34, look what it says in verse, verse 2. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, ye are clothed with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there was there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all through through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Listen, please know this. It is possible. It is probable. And it just might happen that those young people you saw on that screen just a moment ago, the families represented with Emmanuel Baptist Church and whatever church you attend, it just could be at the end of this social distancing, there is a spiritual distance. I'm going to say that again. It just could be at the end of this social distancing, there is a spiritual distance distancing. I think we all feel it. I think we all feel the effects that spiritually right now we need a shot in the arm. And that spiritually right now we're finding where does that spiritual sustenance come from. And I promise you that God in his infinite wisdom has given us a book and he has given us truths from his word that will help us during this time. As you sit right there in in your house, in your car, wherever you're at, dad, listen to this, mom, listen to this, your family is not without a shepherd. I may only see you as the church shepherd. The church you attend, I'm the under shepherd. And right now, I'm just a face on a screen, I understand that, but you're not without a shepherd. Mom and dad, you're a shepherd. You've got Jesus on the inside. He's the great shepherd. And I think there's some things that we can take from this text that will absolutely transform us and give us our marching orders during this time that we can shepherd our families, that our families stay spiritually healthy while we're on that road as a nation to recovery. If you'll notice here in in Ezekiel chapter 34, there were three things that I find that, I, that, that are very interesting about these, ish, about these shepherds. The first thing you're going to find out, verse 2 and 3, and you can kind of glance at it right there. In verse 2 and 3, there was self-indulgence by the shepherds. They were shepherds, but they were self-indulging. They, they were taking what should have been given to the sheep, and they now are taking it for themselves. There is something about a self-centered shepherd that the sheep go without And the sheep become prey to the beasts of the field. And that is spiritually significant. Mom and dad, please, mom and dad, single mother, 
single father. Maybe you're a college student and now you are, you are left to fend for yourself. Shepherd your family. But know this, this is not the time to become self-indulgent. This is not the time to become self-centered. Then in verse number five, there was a lack of protection. All of a sudden, there was no eye on the safety factor. Just no eye on that safety factor. You know, as a parent, you, uh, there's a difference between uh, before children and after children. Before children, you would carry around them babies and you would pick them kids up and you wouldn't think anything about it. But when you become a parent, all of a sudden, everything is like that could hurt my child. We got to get rid of that. No, you can't you can't belly dive off the top of a roof onto a mattress, bed of mattresses. No, you're not going to do that. Now, when you were younger, you would do it, but you're not going to let your kids do it. Why? Because you know something could go wrong. There, there is this self-indulgent shepherd. Then there's a shepherd that they don't see anything wrong. There's, there's, they, they don't consider anything wrong that could ever hurt the sheep. Don't, don't be that way. We can't be absent. And then if you'll notice in verse 4, and I'm going to springboard off of verse number 4 if I could, and keeping it in its context. Now I want you to look at the disease have you not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. Look at the wording here. But with force and cruelty have ye ruled them. That's, that's a very interesting phrase. The word force and cruelty literally has at the foundation a torquing. I am not a mechanic. Um, I don't know if you know that or not. I'm just not. I'm not a construction guy. I am not a mechanic. There is no way. Now, my son Jordan, my son-in-law Josh, God laid, their, God laid his hands on them at birth and gave them the gift of YouTube. Because <laughs> if they're going to figure something out, they go to YouTube and get it figured out. Who needs five years of school? Just go to YouTube. No, no, don't let me back up. You need, never mind. Uh, so you, can I tell you, I'm not that kind of guy. But, but I have gotten mad at a couple of bolts before. And if I truly had a nickel for every time I was a young man, and you know when a tire, when you take a tire off a car, you're supposed to put these lug nuts back, back on, Right? Well, well, my attitude about torquing something down and just putting force to it is this. Hey, when you get it all the way in and, and, and you, you put it down like this and, you're, and, you're, and you got it to where it can't move, you got to make sure. You got to make sure that that thing will never come off. So you know what you do? You stand on it. You know that little thing you're torquing down? You, you just get up there and, and you just you, you stand on it. And, 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 you, and, and, and one day I was standing and had my hands on the, on the hood of the car and, I'm, and, and I'm, I'm making sure it's not coming off. And all of a sudden it, it broke and I had snapped that bolt. And all of a sudden I stepped back with that and I'm like, well, I guess that didn't work, did it? Hey, let me tell you something. Do you know there are shepherds? that they drive points home not realizing what they're doing to the sheep. When you say shepherd, it does not give the connotation of somebody angry. It gives the connotation of somebody that is patient, somebody 
that is caring. But what God was saying here in Ezekiel 34 was this. These were not these kind of shepherds. These were the kind of shepherds that with force and cruelty that they ruled them. Let me tell you, I truly believe that every man stands on their own two feet. I truly believe that, that everybody lives and dies with their own decision. But never let it be said that how I shepherd and how I lead, that they can grab from the leadership and use it as a proof point for a bad decision. If they're going to make a bad decision, and if the children listening to me right now, teenagers in your home right now, I want you to look at mom and dad. If you make a bad decision, mom and dad, let me tell you, when we do this thing right, they can't grab from your, they can't grab from your shepherding and use it as, well, you know, I did this because of, no. No, everybody stands on their own two feet. And I praise God that we have a pattern here in the Bible of what, listen to this, not to do. You see, sometimes the best teachers are those who did it badly. Sometimes the best teachers are those who used their shepherding skills and tools in a bad way so that we can come back and do the exact opposite. Every, this is in my office, and it sits right behind my door. And the men who work here, the men who work here, I give them one of these. Can I tell you, this is a shepherd's staff. Every time I close the door and I pray in my office, and every time I walk out, I have to remind myself that this can be used for good, or it can be used for bad. And I will tell you that here in the book, he gives us what a bad shepherd is. He gives us what a bad shepherd did not do, and God condemns it, and God says, woe to you. So we're going to tonight, we're going to take what the shepherd did not do, and we are just going to do the opposite. That's what we're going to do. The only way I know to shepherd is out of this book right here. You know, I've tried to become all the personalities that I've had in my life. I'm 52 years of age. All the personalities at some point, I thought, well, I'll become like that, and then I'll become like that. And what I didn't realize was is that God gave me mentors. God gave me personalities in my life to shepherd me, to show me what to emulate and what to do the opposite of. It's the same way with me. Everybody that, that, that comes to church here and that, that they allow me to stand up and preach the word of God and I interact with, there is no doubt right now, as you're sitting there, you sit, probably are saying, well, you know, if I was pastor, I don't think I would do it that way. That's good because what we have to know is God is allowing the humanity of every shepherd to come shining through so that you know how it made you feel and that when the shepherd's staff is put in your hand, young person, you'll know I'm going to do the opposite. That's not compromise. That is growth and that is maturity. But I'll tell you, the best book on shepherding is the Bible. And so when you look at this, understand what this says. Let me back up and just tell you this. From the very beginning of the first family, when you travel down, you get to Genesis chapter 14, at Genesis 14, there enters a voice into Abraham's world, and it was Melchizedek. 
You'll find out in Hebrews. And I did a, a quick search with the help here, here right before we went on. But, but in, you'll find out in the book of Hebrews that Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews is called the same thing that he's called in Genesis 14, 18. And that is this. He was called the priest of the Most High. You see, there's always been a voice. I, I, I can't stress this enough. There's always been a voice in the family of God an earthly representation of a heavenly shepherd in the ear of families. And that's called a priest. That's, that's called a spiritual leader. And teenagers, college students, young adults, listen, the best thing you'll ever do is allow the voice of a Melchizedek in your life that speaks on behalf of God. And even when we get it wrong, God is making sure that you'll get it right. That's the beauty of this. So if you look in Ezekiel chapter 34, there are four things it says here that I think become our marching orders. And I want to give them to you. During this time of social distancing and this hiatus and this break, this time out, this halftime that seems to be going on for quarters on end, here's what we can do. Shepherding your family, I'm going to give you some good piece of advice from God's word. Look at Ezekiel 34 and verse 4. We're going to stay within the confines of this verse right here. Here's what he says. Here's why he said, whoa. Here's why he said what he said. Look at this. The very first thing, underline it. The diseased have ye not strengthened. Now, that's very interesting right there. Mom and dad, what it literally means is this. The diseased, that which has been Worn, that which has been rubbed, that which has been by use is worn down. Part of the job of shepherding is that you cannot become about self. Because if you become about self, you all of a sudden miss the signs. Do you know what he said? He said, You were my shepherds. You were supposed to watch over my flock. But let me tell you what you didn't do. You are so wrapped up in self that shepherds, you never realized that my sheep were worn out, that my sheep were at the end of their rope, that my sheep were starting to do things because they were diseased or they were worn out. And it says here, the diseased have ye not strengthened. Spiritually, let's relate it over. You know, it's easy for us to rule by by force and with cruelty and rule that way. But mom and dad, I'm going to tell you, especially during this time, keep your third eye open, that this just might wear down the young people in your home. You know, dads, let's face it, we're looking for an excuse right now to get out of the house. We are looking for a reason to get in that car, get in that truck, and go make a run to the store. I, I'm, my wife will tell you this. I've been saying, hey, do you, do, you, do you need any more toilet paper? And thank you very much because you know what this means? i got to stay home now. That's what this means, at least for any, anyway. So understand that, that, that the disease have you not strengthened. So here you have the sheep are getting worn, down, worn out. I'm going I'm to challenge you. Keep your third eye open. Watch and know the state of your flocks. Look well to your herds and understand it just could be that they are worn out and that this situation, this scattering that's taking place is starting to wear them down. And as a shepherd, you have to be able to keep your eye. You know, when the kids were home, 
and they would disappear to their rooms and I knew that they were fast asleep. I, I would go into their rooms and I would look at them sleeping there. And I promise you, was not a perfect dad, was not a great dad. But I know this, that as part of shepherding, one of the great pieces of advice I was given by, by, by an older man was this, Bob, keep your third eye on your son, keep your third eye on your daughter, and watch their spirits. Know where their breaking points are. And I, and I, would, I would do my best to walk in and go check on them. How you doing? What's going on? Even to this day, that third eye, although Jordan has grace to caretake for him, and, and Deanna has Josh to caretake, let me tell you, that third eye is always on that, that disposition and that spirit of those kids. And when something's just not right, then it's like, are you okay? When is the last time that you isolated every family member and just said, hey, are you okay? Is everything all right? I think part of the job of a shepherd is maybe to encourage other shepherds that watch for the flesh and watch for the things starting to weaken down. And, and, and don't listen. Do, do not listen to this rhetoric and don't listen to this insane thought that says this, work them till they drop. That's junk. Look into those eyes. That's junk. Because I'm going to tell you, the great shepherd, the great shepherd told David, David, you wait underneath that mulberry tree. The good shepherd, the great shepherd told his disciples, let's come aside and let's rest a little while. Even the great shepherd say, in my yoke, my yoke's easy and my burden is light. It's not giving a free pass to laziness. You know what it is? You got you have to keep your eyes on the sheep. And just because they've always been in charge of something doesn't mean they need to continue to be in charge because being in charge just may be wearing them down. How many times have I looked at a college student and I've said, if you become less of a Christian by attending this college, you need to go home. Because nobody, you're too valuable. Listen, the sheep are too valuable. And even myself, I, I, I'm having to relearn being home during these times. I'm having to relearn that I, that I can't shepherd in such a way. So the disease, and it literally means that you are to strengthen. What it means is, is to find out where it's worn and go to work. You know, I love what I do. And, and I love having a solution. And all of a sudden, when it's like, Oh, you look a little bit worn down. I go to my closet and I pull out my caught gun. And what it literally means is you're not even paying attention that the weather's getting through. If you, if you leave any cracks in that window, the weather's going to get through. Yesterday I was uh, in what my wife has dubbed my man cave. I don't have any idea what that means other than that's my retreat. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and she stepped in and she said, oh, good night, it's cold in here. And then she looked down and the window was open and I have an afghan on top of me and she was like, no wonder it's cold in here, the window's open. Can I tell you that people can get worn down so much that the world starts getting into who they are. That's why you and I need to be good shepherds. And mom and dad, while you're shepherding at home and while everybody's together, keep that third eye. 
Keep your attention on the sheep because what you're going to find out is, is that when they start getting worn down, that this is when the disease, I'm still amazed at, at the wisdom of God. Not that he needs me to be amazed at it. But this was the text five, six weeks ago that he chose for tonight. Had no idea. Look what it says. The diseased have you not strengthened. At the first sign of a cough, at the first sign of fever. You know, I think our officer said it best today while I was meeting with them about some church business before we went, we went on the air. I, I, I found it very interesting that one of them said, I wonder how many people have been walking around and that went through the flu before this ever came out, thinking it was just the flu that maybe they had it. Do you know now everybody's attention, everybody, if you, <coughs> everybody's like, woo, back up. I don't know if you have it or not. If all of a sudden you sneeze, put your, put, put your nose and bury your nose in your arm. Hey, by the way, I got the coolest face mask coming ever. I cannot wait to get it. should be here Tuesday, and I'm going to wear it Wednesday night. I am going to look good. I can't wait to get out in the community. I'm just going to make a run for some more toilet paper just to be able to wear my mask. It's a superhero mask. Anyways, so, so, so the disease, so what it's saying is, is this. You didn't even realize I had a cough. You didn't even realize they were running a fever. And sometimes, shepherds, you'll see it start coming out in attitude. You'll see it start coming out in shortness. And a shepherd that doesn't know the sheep can mistake maybe a shortness as, well, you're just rebellious. Listen, but then look at the next phrase. It tells us, the diseased have you not strengthened. Shepherds, I will tell you how you shepherd your, your family is pay attention to the signs that they're not well. Just pay attention to the signs. And then if you'll notice in, in the next phrase, neither or neither. All depends what, what, what English teacher you had. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Maybe you missed the general disease. But what he's saying here is in where, where they were not feeling well. You didn't even realize they weren't feeling well. Now they're sick. And now they have something wrong with them. But shepherds, moms and dads, do not take your hands off the wheel and do not say, well, you know, that attitude and them being short with each other, it's just because they are. No, give no excuse and give no free pass to bad behavior. No bad behavior gets a crutch. But I'll tell you what it does need. It needs a shepherd that says, look now, everybody look up here, listen, you're, 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 you're not well. We're, oh, there that went. We're cooped up together. Scared me. I thought, good night, there's nobody in the auditorium I just got shot at. And, uh, and, and that you're not well. Somebody needs to hold it, time out, time out. Come on now, let's all calm down. Now that's enough. Don't give, a, don't give an excuse. Don't, don't, well, you know, they're cooped up. It's just, no, no, no excuses. None whatsoever. Shepherds don't give excuses. Shepherds deal with the cough and they deal with the symptoms. But let's say you didn't see it. And now it has gone deeper. Shepherding your family comes down now to where you have to heal the sick. What it means is where there could have been a general addressing 
of the symptoms that were wearing them down. Now there needs to be some needle and thread to where now we have to sew something up. You see, when the Bible says, neither have ye healed, you know what it literally means? When you knew there was a tear, you didn't stitch them up. It literally means sutures. It means that you, you saw the sheep, they were walking around with gaping holes, but you never healed them. You, 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 never, you never stitched them. Sometimes, sometimes in shepherding a family, you're going to have to take time out and you're going to have to say, hey, come on now, let's talk. Let's talk because you're sick. This has gone deeper than just, I'm tired. This has gone deeper than just, I need my space. Now something's gotten down in there. And shepherding is this, we're keeping an eye on the flock. And shepherding is where we are, we are just stitching up. Please listen to this. There are times you got to stop the roller coaster, stop the merry-go-round, stop the car, and pull somebody off to the side and say, look, we got to talk. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I would much rather my mama whip me than lecture me. Oh, my soul. Listen to me. Just, just whip me. Just, 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 just take that paddle out and beat me half to death. But please do not sit me on the edge of a bed. And do not start this way. When I found out I was having you, that was the best day of my life. You were so cute. And then you grew up. And now you got a bad attitude. And now you something's wrong with you. No, shoot me, but don't do that to me. <laughs> no, do not do that to me. And I will tell you right now that there's a difference between getting mad and screaming and hollering and then sitting off to the side and saying, hey, we got to do some stitching here. Let's talk. I, 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 best piece of advice I was ever given was this. When you know this has gone deeper than just a cough, you call time out, it's time to talk. Uh, before Grace and Jordan I uh, got married. Mom and I looked at Jordan, and, and we knew that there was, there was something amiss in his spirit. And so we said, Jordan, let, let's, let's go out to IHOP. So we went out to IHOP when they were open 24 hours. Can I just get a word commercial in here? How dare IHOP take away the Baptist meeting place after a revival? Can I get a witness on that? Somebody on chat, let me know if the thumbs up are coming in on that one. How dare IHOP? You know why God allowed this virus to come in? Because they're getting IHOP back for shutting down the Baptist meeting place. It's the Baptist nightclub is IHOP after revival. Anyways, okay, here we go. And... Uh, but, but we went out and we sat down and, and uh, my wife looked at Jordan and expressed her heart. I looked at Jordan and expressed my heart because we knew it had gone deeper than just the cough. It, it was time for us to do something. And listen, shepherding is this. Shepherding is when you know the state of the flock and then all of a sudden there's a cough and you're like, okay, okay. Are you feeling okay? Come on, let's kind of cut that out. And then when it goes deeper, you got to shepherd. You, you got to heal. You got to stitch up. This is not the time 
to turn over your children to the neighbors and to the pastor and to the school because God shut all three of those down. Mom and dad, it's time to step up. And I'll tell you, even you single adults and even those of you that, that you, you don't have family, you, you got friends, shepherd your friends. Get on the front line of this thing. The third thing is this, and I've got to hurry. The third thing, if you'll look in verse number four, it keeps going, neither have you bound up that which was broken. The, the, the interesting thing about the term bound up, and you can look it up, the interesting thing about term about the bind up is it means to wrap up. It means to compress. It, it means to get closer. So when you find out that something is broken, look at the progression. These are what shepherds have to deal with. Shepherds have to deal with the symptomatics of a cough and they have to deal with that. Then if it's gone deeper to where it's a tear, then, then, then we quickly have to get to that. But if it's gone deeper... And all of a sudden, now it's not a disease, and it's not a sickness. Now it's broken. And, and you may not catch it at the cough. You may not catch it at the tear, but now it's broken. You know what God says? Bind it up. Get closer. And there's something about closing the gap. There was a thinking for decades that said this. Treat them like the prodigal, don't chase them. And this is so sad of a thought because it's not God's thought. You know what God said? If they are diseased and you didn't catch the symptoms and then they were sick, they were torn and you didn't see that, but now they're broken. And, and I'll tell you, the, the biggest heartache of any shepherd is not seeing it. The number one reason to sit down and cry is because you didn't see it. I didn't see the cough. I didn't even notice the tear. And now they're broken? Now there's an absolute break? You know what God tells us? God says, fine, now that you know it, go bind them up. Why go, well, you know, it's too late now. It's never too late. And maybe God has given us this downtime for you to reach out. And maybe there's a family member there that you, your schedule, has, you, you've allowed your schedule and you've allowed the busyness of their world, school and church and everything going on. Well, you know, their schedule's just busy. Maybe God has shut it down so that you can renew the shepherd and sheep relationship and get closer. And I think there's a reason why God took the men of God out of a daily interaction and with, with the sheep of God. Because I think he wants an emphasis put back on the fact he's the great shepherd. He should be number one in our lives. And then mom and dad, that home ought to be strong. But it can only be strong if mom and dad, we recognize the fact that our family sometimes have a cough. The family sometimes has a tear. But the family sometimes is broken. And one of the hardest things you come to grips with is this. How did we end up with broken sheep? But there's one more. There's one more possibility. And as you shepherd your family, be aware of the coughs. As you shepherd your family, be aware of the tears. And as you shepherd your family, be aware of things that are broken. But then look at the very last thing, and I'm done. Verse 4, neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that 
which was lost. Shepherding is much bigger than what people think it is. That's why I believe God has to have a call on a man's life to pastor. I believe it has to be something to where he mirrors the heart of God. He mirrors the patience of God. There's a lot of pastors that they have these qualities and these attributes. And as you're pastoring, you, 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 you have five kinds of sheep as you're pastoring. And I'm looking at an empty auditorium and I'm, I'm thinking about the sheep. And as you pastor, the sheep that you have are the sheep that are, are healthy right now. Then they're the sheep that have a cough. Then they're the sheep that are torn at some point in their life. Then they're sheep that are broken. And then one day you look up and the sheep are gone. A bad shepherd? We'll call them dumb sheep. You ask preacher's kids, missionary's kids, evangelist's kids. And you will, un- you will find out that not because it was our parents, but we have been around pastors and church leaders who have referred to the sheep as dumb. And all of a sudden they start tearing apart church members. May it never be. May, may we be the kind of shepherds that we understand that, that we have healthy sheep. We have sheep who are diseased, and then we may have sheep that are sick, and then we have, may have sheep that are broken, and then we may have sheep that are lost. You know what God says? Every sheep needs attention. That's difficult. That's difficult. I'm going to tell you why. Because we only want good sheep. We, we don't want to deal with the drama and the mess. And that's how you can tell the difference between a hireling and a sheep. A, a, a shepherd, a, a, a true shepherd that carries the heart of God will absolutely get his hands dirty in the lives of the sheep. My hat's off to the first, the, the, the first responders in the medical field right now. My hat's off. We have, like probably you do, connections and relationships with those who right now are on the front lines in these hospitals. And I will tell you, those are the true shepherds. Because what they've realized is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have a chance to shepherd your family. God has, for whatever reason, let this COVID-19 keep us apart. The telling of the jokes. The Sunday school teachers I know right now are missing their students. People are missing the interaction. And mom and dad, here's a good time to shepherd your family. Here's a good time to start praying with your family and start interacting spiritually with your family. And then mom and dad, talk about the kids. Talk about them in private. Pray for them in private. And when you realize that it's a disease, then you realize maybe they're sick. Maybe they're broken. Maybe they have left the fold. This is the time. Don't step away. Get right into the middle of it. Growing up, I... uh, you see a lot of things that as you're growing up, you're like, that, that, that intrigues me. 
I love what I do. I love pastoring. I love people. I love everything I do. I think that passion was put in there when I was just a little boy. Some of you, many of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to tell it because to me, I live it every single time I walk out of that office. My father worked at Hiles Anderson College for a couple of years, and then he went to pastor at Faith Baptist Church in Bourbonnet, Illinois. It was called Bourbonus until they turned it to Bourbonnet, but I'm going to be one of the original Bourbonus because I don't drink Bourbonnet. Get it? <laughs> Anyways, um, so, so then he went to pastor Faith in Bourbonnet, a bunch of elite snobs at Bourbonnet, Illinois, and just kidding. That's my hood. That's my homeland. And uh, in, in, in Bourbonnet, Illinois, and then he came here to Texas. Each one of those, I was in the uh, fourth grade, third, fourth grade when my dad worked at the college. I was in that sixth and seventh grade when my dad pastored there in Illinois. And then when we got here, I was in that eighth course to my senior year last year while I've been here. And so I was here. It was not uncommon that because of where we lived that I would hang out with dad at the college and I would sit outside of his office and there in that Catholic, old Catholic college, those hallways, and a college student would come in and knock on the door and say, Brother Gray, can I talk to you? And my dad would say, Bobby, why don't you go sit outside? So I would go out and I would sit Indian style. And I would do it for you right now, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because I can still do it, Bobby Summerford. I know you cannot, so I don't want to show you up, my friend. Um, But uh, I, I would sit Indian style, and I would just lean up against the wall, and I would go to the opposite wall because I would watch for the footsteps coming close so I would know when to straighten up. But I would watch these college students come in, and they would be all, like, scared and flustered and frightened or crying or whatever the case may be. And they would come into his office, men only, and and my father would shut the door. I'd sit in the hallway. And I just leaned up against that brick, that concrete floor. And I watched them go in sad, and then they would come out happy. And I thought, okay, that's pretty good. And I would watch that over and over and over again. And then my dad became pastor at Faith Baptist Church there, south of Chicago. Then I can remember in grade school, because we lived a block and a half, and I would want to go with dad, that, that I would sit outside of the office in the old building and I would sit out there, and the and same thing would happen. I'd watch families go in, sad, crying, fighting, cursing. And then I'd watch them come back out. They'd be as happy as could be. And then we moved to Texas. I'd do the same thing in the office over there where I, where I now is my office. And I would watch people go in sad and come out happy. Now, now that was always odd to me because I would go in happy and come out sad. And I was thinking to myself, that's not even fair right there. But you know what that put in me? I want to be there. I think I would want to do that. And, and the more that God started working on my heart, I thought, well, what, a, what a great profession. Well, what a great way to live. And so when God spoke to my heart as a young man, I thought to myself, I want to be a shepherd. I've not always been the right kind of shepherd. And if this Bible was being written maybe at some point in my life as leadership, I would have been part of this. You're not a good shepherd. But I praise the Lord that God has worked on my heart so much that I want to be there. And no matter what stage our sheep 
no matter what stage they're at, this is where I want to be. I called one of our dad's moms. I texted them, and, and one of their children right now is away from the Lord. And so I got their number, and I, and I called. And I simply said, hey, thinking about you. We've missed you. Are you okay? Where are you at? What's going on in your life? Let me tell you, maybe during this time, maybe we need to take a look at the sheep. So as you shepherd your family, tonight we talked about shepherding the family. Keep your eyes on on the state of your flock. It could be just a, a cough right now, or it could be a tear, or it could be something broken, or... There could be somebody that used to be part of your family. They're they're away from the Lord right now. Whatever stage, be the shepherd, that you get in there and you do the work of God. Luke 15, I'll end with this. Luke chapter 15, there are three stories there. There's the lost coin, the lost sheep. No, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I believe that's the order. Each of those gives us a different element of that which was lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. You'll find out that the lost sheep was lost in wandering. The lost coin was lost in the house. And the lost son was lost to the world. There is a difference. The lost sheep was one that just wandered. The lost coin was lost in the house, and the lost son was lost to the world. If you'll notice that the lost sheep, the reason the shepherd went and found the lost sheep is because the fold was incomplete without him. And the reason the lady swept the house to try to find the lost coin is because there still was value. And the reason the father stayed home was to show the lost son that when you come back, I'm ready to accept you. And my friend, that's what shepherds do. This is our chance. This is our chance to take the home unit and make it something that is safe. And mom and dad, I'm praying for you as you shepherd your family during these days. It is these days that truly try our faith, like I said this morning, and as we all shepherd our family. For those of us who are empty nesters, I'm shepherding my wife. She's shepherding me. And sometimes she's the better shepherd. Sometimes I'm the better shepherd. But together we allow each other to help in these areas. I love you guys. And I hope that the last hour and 19 minutes has been very productive. I hope that you got your uh, coffee drinking in. I hope that you got your Pop-Tart eating in or your taquitos or whatever the case may be. If you have any interesting pictures, kind of send them my way uh, for encouragement at Emmanuel tomorrow. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I ask for your blessings now upon the preaching of your word. I ask for our families, the many, many families right now that are isolated, And they are distanced from their church. And now their pastor has just become a face on a screen and a voice out of a speaker. But God, that family, that family, you've given that family great shepherds and a mom and a dad. And then you've given them the great chief shepherd in Jesus Christ 
as their Savior. And Lord, I believe that through this scattered time that the sheep can be safe and the sheep can be strong. And Lord, may at the end, may we all realize you use this for your good and your glory. May we become stronger Christians because of these days. Bless our church. Bless Emmanuel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we will see y'all Wednesday night. God bless you. It's still light outside. And I thought about preaching till the sun went down, but I decided not to. Time to go eat a Pop-Tart. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.